Have you ever visited a place and felt like something is watching you? You arrive at your destination, an adorable historic hotel, or maybe a rustic cabin in the woods. You've been looking forward to taking a break from the humdrum drudgery of daily life. But just as you start to feel your cares melt away, a prickling sensation begins at the back of your head. You stay still. Stretching out your senses, hoping that the feeling is just overstimulated nerves. But the feeling grows. You try to ignore it and go about your well-earned vacation. But that feeling never leaves you. You find yourself looking over your shoulder. You turn on all the lights, switch on the TV, and do everything to distract yourself. But you're convinced you're not alone. Throughout this month, Venetians are opening up about encounters they just can't forget. From impish children's souls rambunctiously playing in the dead of night, to unnamed terrors that seem to freeze your blood. These next stories will make you think twice about vacationing in old, historic places. I'm Kaylee Monahan, your host for this episode. It is now time to check in to Spooky Season, here on Valley 101. Okay, so this one time at summer camp, it's a phrase that might elicit giggles and knowing looks. After all, summer camp, be it band or theater, or just a fun escape into the woods, is a perfect place to create some lasting memories. But for Catherine Cherkis, there is one camp memory she just can't shake. <sighs> so.
So my story takes place in southwestern Colorado in Durango at summer camp where all great ghost stories start. I won't say it was like a camp ghost, but it definitely was something creepy that has literally stayed with me my entire life. Like to the point where I sometimes will go to bed thinking about this. I was maybe 14 and I've always been obsessed with the paranormal. So it was like a cool experience, but also like terrifying. So we were asleep in our cabin, which is like set back in the woods. Everything is like beautiful and green. And it was, I remember like the night was really cold. So I was like sleeping under blankets and I was just very comfortable, but like I couldn't sleep to save my life that night. And I just remember like tossing and turning a lot. But then I remember at some point, like I just couldn't move, like sleep paralysis. And I've had sleep paralysis before in my life, but this one was different because like I didn't see what was keeping me still. Usually if I see something, I'm able to yell at it, tell me, go away, don't bother me. But I couldn't see what it was. But then the next thing I remember is one of my cabin mates sat up in bed with a gasp and that's what woke me up. And that's what shook me out of whatever I was in. And she turned on her flashlight, flashed it at me, and was like, stay right there, close your eyes, don't open them until I come back. like, okay, you're scaring me, so I'm just going to follow your rules. She was raised as a member of the Wicca community, so not witchcraft, because that's what it gets a bad name for, but very much intuitive with your body and the spirits of kind of the world. And so I remember she went upstairs, our cabin was like a loft so we were in the bottom and then there was a loft where we kept all of our trunks and our clothes and stuff so she came back down and she drew on a piece of paper and she said someone really bad is trying to get to you but if you put this drawing underneath your pillow and you sleep with it under your pillow they'll leave you alone and I was like Okay, I'm not I'm not going to not follow these instructions cuz ghosts scare me. Like, we're at summer camp. Everyone believes that everybody's haunted. 
and like I remember I slept next to a window and I always made sure that those curtains were tight because I always felt like someone was watching me. And so she was like, sleep with this under your pillow and everything will be fine. And she was like, okay, now close your eyes. I have to do something really quick, but don't open them until you hear me get back into bed. So I was like, okay. <laughs> And so I closed my eyes and I put the picture underneath my pillow. And one other thing is she told me not to look at the picture. Don't have to ask me twice. And so I put it under my pillow and then I slept like that for the next two weeks. And I never had issues sleeping again. But I remember at the end of the camp session, I asked her, I was like, so what's on the picture? She's like, still don't look at it. But... It'll keep you protected every time you come to camp. And I went to camp every year. So every time I went to camp, I kept that picture underneath my pillow and I slept perfectly fine for the next how many ever years I was at camp. I think about that all the time. All the time. Like, I went back to work at that camp. Like, I loved camp. And, like, it's so cool that I have my own camp ghost story. But it's, like, still one of those things. I think about almost once a week. And now during spooky season, I think about it all the time because it's just one of those really weird things that happen to you that you're like, you cannot explain it, but the fact that somebody else sensed that there was something weird, that was, it, it gives me goosebumps. My name is Daniel Gonzalez, and I'm the Race, Equity, and Opportunity Reporter at the Arizona Republic. So when we first moved to Arizona from Syracuse, New York, we really wanted to spend some time getting to know the state. At the time, our son was only maybe about four or five years old, and we decided to take a trip to Prescott because we had never been up there before, and we heard it was an old city 
that would remind us kind of of the East Coast. So that's why I went out there and we did some research about hotels. We liked staying in historic hotels, so we heard about this historic hotel called the Hotel Vendome. So we drove up there and we checked in, and it's a really, really cool old hotel and has like this little lobby in the front and these really long, long hallways. And it has those like old fashioned type of doors where they're like wooden doors, but then it has like a transom above the door. And if you're not familiar with the transom, transoms are like these windows that are above the door that can open and close. So it lets ventilation in. So anyway, we went out to dinner that night and we must not have stayed out very late because our son was little. And we came home and we went to bed. And around 12.30 in the morning, we heard all this ruckus in the hallway. And I remember distinctly that it it sounded like kids that were running up and down the hallway and being really, really loud, like yelling and laughing. And I remember thinking, who would, first of all, take their kids out and stay out so late and then come back to a hotel and allow their kids to be running up and down the hallway and making so much noise? And I remember my wife also woke up and heard all this commotion going on. I mean, we actually thought about going out in the hallway and telling them to be quiet. That's how loud it was. So the next morning we got up. And we actually talked about it. I remember thinking, God, did you hear those people, that family last night? They were so inconsiderate and so rude. I think they had a breakfast there, or you could order breakfast, but I remember having breakfast in the lobby. And the owners at the time came out, and they were really friendly, and they were asking us, how did we like our stay, and how did we like the hotel? And we told them we were from the East Coast. And we like to stay in old historic hotels. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to just tell her. She should know about these guests that were there. So I said, well, it was a really nice stay, except there were some people who came home last night and they were really inconsiderate and their kids were running up and down the hallway and yelling, making a lot of ruckus. And then the woman looked at us and she said, actually, your family is the only one with children staying in this hotel. And then she said, you must have heard some of the ghosts that we have living here.
Well, I remember thinking to myself, is she really telling the truth? Do they have some recording that they like play at night and just to freak people out? I remember thinking that too, because it was so vivid. It wasn't like something like where you thought to yourself, did that really happen or did it not happen? It was really, really loud. And I remember I was fully awake when I heard it. We didn't find out till later on then that there are ghosts that live in that hotel. So what was happening? Did we really hear ghosts? Was it some was it somebody else? We'll never really know, but it was a really creepy experience. travel very far to treat yourself to an escape. The Valley of the Sun is full of luxurious accommodations, but the Hotel San Carlos in the heart of downtown Phoenix is a very special place. the Roaring Twenties, a time of jazz, flappers, radio, and art deco. The Hotel San Carlos was erected in 1927 and became a hotspot for the rich and famous. Mae West, Clark Gable, Marilyn Monroe, and Humphrey Bogart are just a few of the icons who stayed there. But the hotel's location used to be something else. The land is purported to be a sacred place where local tribes worshipped the god of learning. In the late 1870s, Apropos to the stories, a school was built on the spot. First as a tiny one-room adobe schoolhouse, then it grew and grew. until 1893, 
when it had 16 rooms and served as a place of learning for Phoenician kids until the turn of the century. But by 1916, the school was not big enough to accommodate Phoenix's growth, and the building was condemned. However, city officials greenlit the area for a luxury hotel. While vacationers to the valley might prefer the decadent resorts ringing the city, San Carlos has its own charm. And some visitors have never checked out. The hotel's night manager, Tony Lickus, has seen things while working alone during the witching hours of the night. I personally think there's something going on. In my five years, I have seen things and heard things that justify any rational explanation. Most commonly, what, what all of us that work the front desk have heard it was in the ballroom next to us. It sounded like the bar stools were being pushed around on the floor in the middle of the night. And then they screech across the floor, and, and but you go in there and check them, and they're never out of place. They're just where they're supposed to be. I was holding up in the front room by the piano about two months ago on a Monday afternoon, much like this one, where there's nothing going on. And I'm the only one in the lobby. And from about two or three feet behind me, I hear a man's voice say hello. Hello. Real irritated like someone who was at the desk that I hadn't seen them yet. But when I turned around to, to inquire as to their attitude, is their hello? And I turned around and I'm like, excuse me. And I said, oh, there's nobody there. I was there by myself, but just I, clearly as a bell, I heard that man say, hello. So the fact that it goes on like this all the time around the hotel, I, I don't think anything of it. I'm used to it in my, in all my time. And in fact, all of us that work here, we are, it would just, I tell guests, if you encounter the ghosts, they're not going to hurt you. They will be, they will definitely let you know they're there. You know, but beyond that, just, I tell you, just kind of acknowledge them as if you were just anybody else and, you know, go about, go on about your life. One area in the back of the hotel above the restaurant, there's a little uh, office area up there. I don't like going up there unless I absolutely have to. You know, it just could, I get a, just a real heavy feeling up there. Nothing, not, not that, that I know that anything's gone on up there. It's just something about that room. I don't like it. 
So I'll only go up there when necessary, which has only been about six times in five years. I'll say, uh, previous to that, the original Phoenix school sat on this site. Um, some people have gotten their stories mixed up and think that the hotel is a converted school, which is, that's not the case. Six weeks after the hotel opened up in May of 1928, Leona Jensen arrives from Los Angeles. She was either 20 or 22 years old. Um, and she was engaged, but unbeknownst to her, her boyfriend had called off the engagement prior to her arrival in Phoenix. So she arrives here to the hotel, checks into our room 720, only to find out afterwards that the engagement is no longer. And so now she's up there with a broken heart and it was just too much for her. So she wrote out three different notes that she left behind and then at 2.45 in the morning, she made her way up and accessed the actual top of the roof of the building, jumped, got up to the corner and jumped. Lots of people say she's the guest that checked in and never quite left. And what she likes to do is she'll, you know, people will wake up and they'll feel her rustling the blankets at the foot of the bed. Just kind of enough to get the people to wake up and by the time they realize what's going on, then if she has made herself appear, then she kind of fades out at that point. But I've seen out of that room, I've seen where the people have left uh, like a long purse cap laying on the bed, laying flat. And I've seen that thing raise up on, on film and just hold up in the air. Nobody was in the room at all, but they, the film was recorded at all. So again, you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes on in that room that, that all gets tied back to her. Going back to the school. The legend goes that some children fell in the well that was on the school property, which is still, the remains of it is still in our basement. But sorry goes, the kids fell in that well and drowned. And so at that point, you know, people have said for years that they've heard the sounds of the kids running and playing in the basement, like sat and bouncing a rubber ball on the, on the concrete floor up there. Groups I've had to come in doing various investigations. One group had dowsing rods down there, and we were standing there by the well. And if what they were saying is to be believed, and I was standing there with them, yeah, you know, they they weren't manipulating the rods or anything like that at all. But what they were saying is to me, there's a little which is of a little nine-year-old girl named Emma that also runs around the hotel. She's left over from the school days. So I'm assuming she may have been one of the kids in the well. I don't know. There was one other time with another group. They had thermal imaging cameras. And so there were, the lady was talking to just what seemed to be an empty stack of chairs. But yet, when you look what the thermal imaging camera was picking up, you could clearly make out the shape of a young person sitting there on those chairs. 
remind me not to stay there. We're closing the chapter on these ghost stories, but don't get too comfortable. A lot of people say that she's looking for her baby. I don't know what would happen if she did find it, if she didn't have a head. You won't want to miss next week's tales. Subscribe to Valley 101 on your favorite podcasting app. Rate and review us as well. And if this episode gave you a fright, give us five stars. Want to freak out your friends? Then make sure to send this episode their way. This episode was edited and produced by the Madam of Sound Design. That's me, Kaylee Monahan. Special thanks to my brave assistants, Celeste Larita and Amanda Luberto, who braved the dark and scary to collect these tales. Editorial oversight is by Kathy Tulamello. Music and sound effects are by Universal Productions Music. Have a spooky story of your own? Share it with us on valley101.azcentral.com. Or reach out to us on social media at AZC Podcasts. Valley 101 is an Arizona Republic and AZ Central production. I'm Kaylee Monahan. Until next week, happy hauntings. Mm-hmm.